Welcome to the Yoga Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Saraswati Clare, an award-winning documentary filmmaker and owner of Yoga Kula from the San Francisco Bay Area. Join us to hear from the world's leading experts on yoga, teachers, doctors, scientists, and scholars. To study more deeply with these inspiring teachers, check out the courses on our website, In this new era, where we have the opportunity to envision and create a new world, the practices of yoga help us to live more consciously so that we can create a better inner and outer world. To help others find us, please leave your comments on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Barry Reisman. Barry Reisman is one of Canada's most highly skilled yoga educators and teacher trainers. She's well known for her ability to convey the essence of the teachings of yoga with exceptional clarity and insight. Barry has been teaching for over 20 years, and she's taught at yoga conferences and festivals, and she's led retreats and teacher trainings around the world. Barry created an online mentoring program for yoga teachers called The Skillful Yogi. And she's just completed her book called Evolving Your Yoga, a seeker's guide to deepening, integrating, and expanding the benefits of practice. Welcome, Barry. This is Saraswati. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, thank you. So lovely to speak with you and um, just really excited to be in conversation with you because I know that for you, as much as I, yoga has been such a transformative aspect of our lives and we're we're both geeks, yoga geeks. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yoga geeks unite. (laughs) Everything, everything yoga. So um, I'd love to have you describe your journey into yoga and what what drew you into the practice, what were you hoping to attain from asana? Yeah, so I, um, I took my first yoga classes while I was working as an executive secretary uh, in Midtown Manhattan. And it, that was in the early 90s when there was not a yoga studio on, every, on practically every corner like there is now, but there happened to be a yoga studio just down the, the street from where I was living. And um, I went, I started yoga first, firstly because I, um, I had grown up doing dance and gymnastics, so I, I enjoyed um, moving my body in that way. And I was naturally flexible, so I could kind of do the postures. It came easy for me. So I started taking yoga, like many of us, um, for the physical benefits and as a way to unwind, you know, after a day at the office. Cool. And, um, you know, if you thought about yourself at that particular age in your life, um, you know, your first step onto the path, but what are the things that you kind of know now that you, you know, you've discovered in your journey that you would share with that younger self that, you know, that it's kind of like the things that we often don't know when we first step into yoga? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, even though I, I started taking asana classes for the physical benefits and the stress relief benefits, um, I, when I look at myself at that time as a young person, kind of not having made a career choice and kind of not knowing what to do with my life or where to go, I, I, I do recognize that I was seeking for something more. Um, I was looking for meaning. I was looking, I, I was looking around at a lot of my, um, friends, my contemporaries who were starting out on careers and even had attained some worldly success already. And they were not necessarily happy or satisfied. And I also looked around at people of my parents' generation. Um, I grew up in an upper middle class family on Long Island. So the values were very much about um, worldly success. Um, and uh, a lot of those people who had attained a lot of worldly success, again, I saw them not really satisfied. And I remember thinking to myself, well, at, at their age, I, I, there's got to be something more. I don't want to be like that. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be um, unhappy, even though I'm outwardly successful, right? Like by all measures, there's success, but there's something missing. So I was definitely a seeker at that time. And yoga was a way, it was my way of kind of entering into that world of seeking something more beyond outer success. And I think what I would tell myself at that age was that you are on the right track. Mm -hmm. Like, trust yourself, keep going, because there was tremendous self-doubt, right? Um, because society was kind of moving me in one direction, and I was saying, no, I, I want something else. Like, this this doesn't feel like what, my, what I want my life to be about. Um, so I think I would have told my younger self to, to really trust that and that I was on the right track. Mm, wonderful. And... Um, you know, often when we first step into, you know, the asana class, we, we really don't understand there's so much more to the fuller tradition. And kind of if you could share with us, you know, how you started to sense and understand and maybe studied with different teachers, you started to see yoga in a far wider perception. I mean, even today, people, uh, when they talk about yoga, they really just really are thinking about, you know, the asana practice. Yes, yes. Um, and that, that's something that um, me and, and the teachers that I work with um, are, are seeking to change in terms of the, the culture. Um, I remember um, yogic scholar Edwin Bryant, he once said that asana is 1% of what yoga, the yoga tradition has to offer, mm. you know, could, can you imagine if we access some wow. of that other 99%, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when I look back to my first asana classes, I did, I was blessed to, to enter into yoga at a mm. studio that taught yoga as a spiritual practice. Now that wasn't why I was there, but there was, um, definitely a grounding in the philosophy and in the teachings of yoga. We would, my teacher would, would, um, chant in Sanskrit at the beginning of the class. There was an altar with, you know, Hindu deities, um, she would talk about some of the teachings of yoga. We would meditate at the end of every class. And even though a lot of that just went completely over my head, like I didn't understand anything, <laughs> there was a sense that there was something much more there for me 
Like, even though I didn't understand any of it with my mind, it kind of pulled at my heart because the way the yoga was taught, even though we were doing mostly a physical practice um, in the postures, there was definitely a, a sense that those postures were being um, offered to us within a bigger context. And I think that's really um, what we need to understand, even if we're just doing a physical practice, that what makes it yoga is that it's done within a bigger context of understanding for who we are as human beings and what, you know, what what we're doing here and what life is about, that even if we don't understand that right away, to know that the asanas have a place within a bigger context of, of perspective and understanding, I think is really um, what differentiates exercise from asana, right? What makes it yoga. Right. And then if you were to explain, um, you know, you were with a group of students who were interested in becoming teachers and say it was your first time with them how would you explain um the difference between you know uh the path of yoga or the practice of yoga and then asana like how, what is what is the difference and what is what is what is the the whole the whole path of yoga you know i know it's a long discussion but uh how how could you you know break it down so that they would be able to understand more about what you know if they're starting on this new journey of the, the path of yoga what what does it entail well i think i would probably start um with explaining to them that the asana is a um Asana is, in a way, uh, a focusing technique for the mind. It's a, it is a way of moving the body. It is, um, does have benefits for the physical body, but it, ultimately its goal is much bigger than any kind of um, physical fitness, right, or physical goal. That asana is really um, one branch mm-hmm. of a full spectrum of practices, that serve to help us um, quiet the mind and there and and in quieting the mind, directing our attention and our awareness in toward our what yoga recognizes as our, our deeper selves. Mm. So I think I would start there. And then of course, um, you know, Patanjali's eight limbs of yoga. Um, outlines um, a beautiful framework for um, how asana works with other practices such as breathing exercises, um, meditation, you know, dr- uh, drawing the senses inward as well as, um, you know, behavioral guidelines for really how to, how to live yoga. Wonderful. Um, and, you know, what are the kind of misconceptions that you're I think, you know, for maybe you or habits that you might have had as a younger person coming into the, into the practice of yoga that maybe hindered you on, on, you know, in the beginning of your journey that, you know, you've seen a shift or you've seen habits that you've been able to overcome, you know, in, in the practice throughout time. 
I think one um, misconception or habit that I brought into the practice was that um, yoga was, um, well, just what we were talking about. One is that yoga is primarily a physical practice and that if we can't do the physical practice, um, we can't do yoga. (laughs) I think that's a big misconception that a lot of people have. I I think another one is that yoga is only, asana is only for certain body types. Yeah. Um, and not, not for others. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I, I love how, um, there's so many, um, initiatives, um, that are making yoga more accessible. Um, and that, um, it isn't about looking a certain way. Um, it's about, it's about, again, using asana as a tool for self exploration and self growth. Right. Yeah. Um, I was thinking one of the uh, things that people grapple with sometimes too is um, you say you walked in and you saw a Hindu deities on the on the you know front altar or something like that of you know of seeing it and feeling constricted because if you can't, if you have a religion that you practice that yoga might feel very foreign it might feel like a different culture a different religion and um, you know may not feel comfortable. Yes. Yes. So I always, um, I always like to tell students that yoga is a dogma free zone. Like there's nothing you have to believe, um, or uh, there's nothing, there's nothing you have to do that you're not completely comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So for sure, you know, it takes a while, I think for students to understand that the, you know, all the deities of the Hindu pantheon are really nothing more than just different aspects of ourselves that we're not actually Mm -hmm. worshiping something outside of ourselves. They're just there to help us um, remember and call forth different different aspects of who we already are. Um, so you know, once we understand that, you know, those those foreign shapes become a little bit more familiar because again, we develop our own relationship with them. And I think that's really the key is that we want to start to develop our own relationship with yoga by not simply taking anything on, by not taking anything on faith. It's like, we want to test things out. I always tell students, you know, there's nothing you have to believe, try things out, see what works, take, take what works for you. Mm. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about the yoga tradition is that we can just take what it's there. It's there for us, right? There's nothing Mm. we have to do to fit into, uh, a certain conception to be a yogi. It's, 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 we take, um, what serves us in our own path of, of inner growth and, and evolution. We try things out and we, we learn through our experience what works. So yoga really talks about this, this idea of faith that's based on our experience, not just based on something we're told to believe, something we're told is right, but really trying it out, testing it out. You know, um, when my lower back hurts, if I do, you know, a certain down, if I do downward facing dog a certain way that helps, right. I know that through my experience. So I become, I become comfortable with that. I have faith in that because I know that it's helpful. So I think it's the same thing with the understandings and the teachings of yoga. When we learn, um, for example, that if we just become aware of our breath in a stressful situation, it, it, it's helpful. It keeps us from maybe reacting. Um, and it gives us a chance to pause and consider what we want to say. Of little things, I think help us become comfortable with how we can use yoga in a way that really works for us. Mm, Yeah. I think too, of this day and age, um, you know, people are, 
feeling, um, you know, f- quite anxious, quite stressful, and turning, trying to find, you know, healing modalities, and um, you know, sometimes choosing the drugs or something, or you know, having trouble sleeping, taking sleeping pills, or that kind of thing is very common these days. And um, how, how does how do the practices work? How how could you you know, how could practices help deal with stress? And I'm talking about sometimes, you know, we know so little about really how the mechanics of the body works. And if you could explain to us, you know, how might um, the practices of yoga, restorative or um, breathing practices, or even, um, you know, taking some of the teachings from the yoga traditions might help us deal with these kinds of uh challenges in our lives yeah for sure um i think yoga works on a lot of different levels um to address the you know the kind of anxiety and um difficulties that um you know as a culture are kind of rampant these Mm -hmm. days um so i'll talk about a couple of um things that came up when you asked that question one is you know simply by moving the body um, we start to move stress, right? Now, that doesn't have to be postural practice. That can be any kind of exercise that, that as, we, as we move and open the body, um, we are um, kind of, I think, in some way, releasing the stress from, from kind of settling into ourselves, right, to our physiology. So I think ex- just, just postural practice as exercise um, is healing in that way. Because simply by moving and becoming more flexible um, in the body, more mobile in the body, um, there is a definite effect on on our stress levels. Like that's proven scientifically now. Um, But yoga, of course, has a different um, vision of the human being. Um, It views the human being as um, a a whole that's composed of different layers, right? The body, the breath, the mind, um, and the spirit. And all these layers are interpenetrating and connecting with each other. So, so health in yoga and well-being in yoga is really seen as an integration of all these different parts of ourselves. Like we want to be doing practices to address the health and balance of all these different parts of ourselves. And I think that's what yoga does brilliantly because the postural practice is one piece of it. Um, but then there's the breath, right? Mm-hmm. That the, there's an immense pow- healing power in the breath. It affects the, you know, the nervous system, the way that we breathe. So yoga recognized that from the very beginning, that, that there's a connection between our breath and our mind, that when we're feeling anxious, the breath will tend to be shallow and you know, irregular. And when we're calm, the breath tends to be deeper and and more regular. Now, um, what yogis understood from way back is just, just as the mind affects the breath, that the reverse is also true, right? We can work with the breath to affect the mind. So I think simple breath work is one of the real keys Mm -hmm. in using yoga for healing, especially anxiety, um, depression, et cetera, that there's, um, that there's tremendous power um, to to be found in in working with the breath. Um, now, on the level of the mind, um, of course, when when we're able to meditate, and and I don't mean just you know just sit for hours in meditation, but but simply develop a capacity to um, watch our thoughts, to become aware of what we're thinking, which 
you know, it sounds a little um, funny to say, like, you know, what are you thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Just the fact that we can know what we're thinking, um, that we're self-relational creatures as human beings, um, it seems so obvious. But it's it's really a key because if we can um, know what we're thinking, we start to develop a relationship with our mind um, that's a little bit separate, Right. And that's, of course, what like mindfulness practice is about. That's what a lot of uh, meditation, meditative practices teach that as we develop that self-reflective capacity, that has tremendous potential because um, it's like Viktor Frankl said, between the stimulants and response, there's a space. And in that space lies our freedom to choose. Mm -hmm. So as we are able to become aware of what we're thinking, we create that necessary space. You know, do I want to act on it? Do I not? And that, that's really the key to how we start to change some of these um, habits and we get more freedom um, just by becoming a little bit reflective through kind of meditative practices. Great. Um, wonderful. Yes. Such, such a great system, isn't it? <laughs> so integrated and, um, and there are so many different kind of techniques that you can try if this is not working, you can try the next and you can, there's so many ways yes. you can, you can weave it all in together. And I, I, you touched on to this, uh, sense of, um, understanding in the yoga practice of, of who we really are. And, um, you know, the goal, goal of yoga is, is to be on that journey of discovery of finding our, finding our understanding of, um, you know, the fullness of, of who we are. And I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about that and what the, you know, early yogis, um, you know, began to, um, talk about about the you know the full goal of yoga is this sense of awakening. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely, and um, yeah. So you know, from the beginning, um, I mean, I, I think what you said is really important in just understanding that yoga has a goal, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times um, we 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 may tend to lose sight of that in the mainstream. Um, modern Mm -hmm. yoga world that, you know, yoga practice is simply about feeling good, which, you know, that's part of it for sure. We want to feel better and better, but yoga, um, the idea that yoga is a path with an actual goal has always been true from the beginning. And I think it's a really important understanding to have that, um, what we're seeking in yoga, um, I like to think of it as an independent happiness Mm -hmm. that right from the beginning, um, the sages talked about, um, this idea that, you know, the, um, uh, that there is a place within us that is free from the ups and downs of the outer world, right? We, we know um, from different sacred traditions that, you know, as long as we are um, attached to the outer world, we're going to suffer because there will always be a play of opposites in our lives. There'll be pleasure and pain. There'll be gain and loss. There'll be ups and downs. And so um, I think, you know, right from the beginning, yoga was very much about, you know, what is the reality that exists beyond that? Mm-hmm. And um, how do we understand that? And how do we find that? And how do we live in that? Mm-hmm. And that is really the promise of yoga, that there is that place that it, that exists independently of what goes on in our outer lives and that we can come to know it and that we can have a relationship with it and we can even become established in it at a certain point. And, 
And that inner self that doesn't change is also of the nature of happiness and goodness and light and freedom and all the great virtues. And so when we, when we come into relationship with that self, right, with the capital S, the self that doesn't change, we do find a, a more stable source of fulfillment and contentment um, that just lives independently of what's going on around us. And that is, um, so to become established in that place, um, is really the goal of yoga to get to know that place more and more is the path of yoga. And, um, and that's, what's so great about it. It just keeps really getting better and better as, Mm -hmm. as, as our understanding and experience of that, um, inner self unfolds. Wonderful. Do, do you remember times on your journey where you shifted in understanding where you actually had a really strong sense of a shift of a change that happened of looking at a certain, looking at life in a certain way, or even looking at yourself in a certain way, and then just seeing, you know, the difference so that we can understand, you know, in your example, how the shift is taking place. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, just going back to um, like the beginnings of my yoga practice where I was talking about, you know, living in, living in New York City. And, um, you know, I, I, I know, I remember from that time kind of always defining myself from what was um, going on around me. And um, I remember um, when I started um, practicing meditation, I, I signed up for a meditation intensive um, with the teacher that I had begun studying with. And I remember getting up that morning um, and I got up late. <laughs> I was probably out late the night before and I got up early for this meditation intensive. And um, I was in a terrible mood because I was rushing and it was raining and I was just so angry. Mm. I was just like, you know, when you're just in the mood where you're just <laughs> ready to kind of lash out at anyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. innocent bystanders. You know, I remember getting on the bus to go up Riverside Drive and it was like, you know, the poor bus driver, I don't even know what happened, but I was just not in a good mood. So I, I got it, came into this meditation intensive in this horrible mood. And as soon as I walked into the hall, I looked up at the picture of the, the lineage founder that was um, at the front of the hall. And I heard a voice inside me and it was his voice. Um, and he said, it said, this is not who you are. I will show you who you really are. Mm. And at that moment, I just, the tears just came Mm. (laughs) and I think I cried like the whole day. Um, (laughs) and it was just this feeling of, um, that, that, that anger, Mm. you know, which was probably built up from so much Mm. of my life experience. Right. And so much of my frustration about, you know, what I was going to do with my life at that Mm. time, that that, you know, it was just a deep understanding that there was, that that wasn't who I really was. And that through yoga, I was going to find out who I really was, mm-hmm. you know, and that that's always the way now that I speak about transformation yoga, that it's about becoming more and more of who you really are. It's not about becoming anyone different, mm-hmm. that it's, it's about getting rid of whatever keeps you in the way of knowing that true self. So that was a really powerful moment that I'll never forget. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I've gone into different moods since that. <laughs> that was like <laughs> years ago. And that, you know, that, that experience still really comes back to me that, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm, when I'm 
you know, kind of getting impatient with my daughter or mm. frustrated at a situation. It's like, that is not who you really are. Mm. And, um, you know, it just gives me another understanding of, of how to deal with those, those emotions, right. Mm. And those moods. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, could I ask too, did you, do you, do you have more and more moments of you really understand who you really are? Do you experience that sort of a sense of shift to in more being more empowered within yourself? Like what, how could you explain that to someone who, you know, is discovering the journey of yoga? Like what are some of the experience of sense of freedom or sense of um, shift that's taken place through the years of practice? Sure. Sure. Yeah. The way that I experience it a lot, I mean, I experience it, um, in terms of, you know, just it, more peace, right. More, uh, more in touch with myself, more, more knowing of myself, but, but really, um, in the past few years, the way I experience it is as a, um, I think of it as an underlying ground of being. Mm. <laughs> That's the phrase that, that really works for me that there's, it's, it's an inner stability, Mm. that's always there just beneath the surface. It's like, um, you know, like you look at the waves on the ocean, right? Mm. And then there's the ocean beneath. And I, I think that I've come more and more to recognize a part of myself that is holds steady amidst the waves. Mm. And I'm able to access that more and more. So, um, so I think of it again, is that that underlying ground of being or, um, the, the, the center of myself, a, a kind of stability and groundedness that's, that's there amidst the ups and downs. Mm. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of like, I think every human being would want that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Totally. And I I think a lot of people experience that through yoga and Mm. don't actually um, articulate it, which I think is a big opportunity that, you know, when I ask students like, you know, how do you feel different after a yoga class? People will share things like that. You know, they'll say, "Um, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I feel more grounded. I feel more centered. I feel more calm. Now, that's really the the brilliance of studying yoga philosophy, right? Because to know that that is not just an experience you're having, but that is the experience that the (laughs) sages talk about, that there's, there's a, there's a, there's words for it. There's descriptions of it. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so much, there's teachings about it. You know, I think that's, um, the treasure of Mm -hmm. what the yoga tradition offers us is the understanding of this place that we get glimpses of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of the roadmap of our inner experience. Are there specific teachings that come to mind or, you know, words that you heard from a particular teacher or something that you think are helpful for, again, people newer to the path that um, words that kind of really resonated for you and you're able to, you know, see, see the wisdom of those words? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a few. I think, you know, some of what we've already touched on um, – just that idea of the heart mm. as that place of independent happiness mm. um, was very powerful for me. Yeah. And then I, I think, um, you know, the, the yoga tradition articulates so many wonderful attributes of mm. that space. Um, and they're all, I think they speak to us at different times, right? The, 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 
term Satchit Ananda, right? The threefold nature of the self, that it is eternal, unchanging, it's conscious, and it's blissful, it's joyful. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that um, contemplating that um, has been really enriching for me. Mm-hmm. The, the inner self as um, Shantaya, Shanti, peace. Mm-hmm. Um, again, to know that these experiences, these feelings we get from our practices um, are not just haphazard, right? They're not just by chance, but they are mm. kind of different rays of the, the light of our own selves. Beautiful. Mm. Wonderful. Um, you know, you've been able to see yoga, you know, evolving in this country and in, you know, different parts of the world. What's the kind of shift that y- you've noticed um, that's that happened uh in, in this time that you've been focusing in the path of yoga, you know, what, what would be your, you know, as you notice the shift happening both in, here and in different parts of the world? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I can definitely speak more to North America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I was around during the big explosion of yoga mm-hmm. in the late 90s. Um, so there was a huge change after that. And, you know, now, as we know, yoga, um, the benefits of yoga are applied in so many mainstream settings. It's really, um, it's it's a mainstay of the North American fitness culture, right? Mm-hmm. Yoga. It's in every gym, everywhere. Yeah. Um, so that's really exciting because I think that obviously brings the benefit of yoga to everyone, mm-hmm. which is great. And I think it's being more and more yoga is being brought outside the, you know, what was the traditional studio context. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most exciting places I'm seeing the growth of yoga is in the field of yoga service, mm-hmm. um, teaching yoga to, um, people who would not be able to access classes, mm-hmm. um, for different reasons in a traditional context, right? Yoga, for veterans, yoga in the criminal justice system, yoga for victims of trauma, yoga for children, you know, all, all these initiatives are really, really um, amazing. And, um, you know, I, I have my own service project, the world yoga, the world spine care yoga project, where we teach yoga for limited mobility populations. Um, so all that, you know, just bring the gifts of posture, breathing and mindfulness, um, is so mainstream. So that, that's a big shift. Um, I also notice, um, I, I almost think of the yoga world, the modern mainstream yoga world is kind of, um, evolving in two directions, two main directions. Mm -hmm. One is, um, those, those of us who, um, really approach and practice yoga as a, as a holistic integrated spiritual practice. That is where we are, um, not just doing asana practice, but we're integrating asana with meditation, with chanting, with breath work, with inquiry, you know, kind of the full spectrum of, um, practices. And so that's one branch I think, but then there's this other branch that I call, um, yoga related movement (laughs) where, um, you know, asana, and is really just taught as a form of physical fitness, which again has benefits mm. for sure. And it's, I don't think it's a wrong thing. You know, I think it's great actually. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do think that when you, tr- you know, asana as a practice of yoga, um, is not yoga if it's not done within a, it was always done within a bigger context of understanding it was done with other practices. Mm. So I think, um, you know, the, the, um, when yoga is when asana 
or postural practice is truncated from the bigger context, um, it's almost like something different, right? Like what I'm, what I'm referring to is yoga related exercise. Um, so that's kind and that's also growing as I was saying earlier. So I think there's those, those two branches, um, for now it's all called yoga. And, you know, in some ways it makes perfect sense because um, possibly in a gym, um, you know, there's a lot of other music around or people are getting off weights and then they're going into the yoga class and, uh, you know, maybe it's it's just uh, it's it's the first step that people could make you know, in that direction. Yes, and they, absolutely. They also, absolutely. they do get the benefits, as you say. I mean, I'm just thinking, I don't know if this is a comparison too. I'm thinking about, you know, the, the path of meditation that's, um, you know, shifted and morphed uh, in America, you know, first introduced by probably Indian meditation teachers and then, you know, Buddhist teachers. And then, uh, and then it becomes something that is taught in hospitals and in, in other places, you know, the mindfulness, um, stress reduction. So it becomes really physical related, um, Mm -hmm. but it's able to be packaged and, um, you know, it's, it's can be taught in, in Google and Facebook and other offices too, where it doesn't, you don't need to, you know, include the whole background of, you know, where meditation comes from and what are the different aspects of it. So I guess it's just a very natural shift um, that's happened in that way. Um, And I do remember, too, at a certain time, I can't remember exactly when, but people started really being more interested in the yoga philosophy end of it. And, um, you know, we started to see... Um, more retreats where people would be focused more on learning about, for example, rituals or to do with uh, understanding, you know, mantra or those kinds of things. So perhaps it's, you know, it's growing again and people are more interested in those yes. other aspects. Yes. And, and I think it, um, I think it comes with the maturing right mm. of the, um, yoga, the Western yoga culture, right. Yes. It's been like, you know, now we're in an, another generation. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who've been practicing for a while, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, the, the class, a, a regular yoga class context does not allow for someone to really go deep. This was mm-hmm. one of the reasons I started writing my book was because mm-hmm. I realized there's so many yoga practitioners who are, who want more, not, mm-hmm. not all, you know, I, and again, I, I want to go back mm-hmm. to what I said earlier, because I think it's totally appropriate to use yoga, however works for you. There's nothing you yeah. have to do. Right. Yeah. So all these, um, applications yeah. of yoga are fantastic. You know, it should be being used in all these different ways. Mm-hmm. And yet, and, you know, for those people who have been practicing for a while, that sense there's something more for them there. Mm. Um, either in terms of practices or in terms of understanding um, or in terms of how to bring what they do in their class into their lives. Mm. Um, You know, I I think that's an area where that we need to start addressing more because what I saw when I looked around was that the only venue for that uh, to fill that need was really a teacher training, Mm. right? So you you have a lot of people doing teacher trainings who don't want to be teachers, Mm -hmm. but it's the only way 
they can take their practice deeper, yeah. right? So that that's one that was a beautiful thing. That is the beautiful thing about the Anusar Yoga immersion, right? That it's a hundred hours. Mm-hmm. Nothing about teaching. It's mm-hmm. all for your own practice. Yeah. So that is um, a great program, I think, a great framework for making um, the possibility of going deeper in yoga accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not that many, there's not that much out there, right? So um yeah. So I, I think that's a real need because I think there's a whole group of people who've been doing yoga for a while that know it's just the tip of the iceberg. They want more. Um, they know there's more. They, you know, they want to know how to use yoga in their lives more. Mm. Well, and sometimes, too, perhaps there is a, a you know, you might get introduced to, um, you know, the yoga sutras in a teacher training but, um, you know, it can, or the Bhagavad Gita, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it takes, it takes a, a certain, uh, ability to be able to take it deeper. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. It's fantastic that there are some places you can find it, but if, you know, some people just pick up the, you know, the Bhagavad Gita and they'll go, Oh, just to, too much here I don't even know how to start into this and I I don't have a relationship with it so therefore it's not meaningful so I think I agree with you there's uh you know so much opportunity for people to find ways to integrate more of this richness um that I think most people practicing yoga have no idea that's even there or that it relates to them or their life or that there's so much more to gain from, from the whole practice. Yeah. I think you hit on a really important point, which is, um, it's like, how do you make the teachings relevant? Yeah. Right. Like, I think that's, we can read the Bhagavad Gita and it's just, you know, kind of this esoteric, these esoteric Mm -hmm. teachings, you know, maybe they sound good, but they don't really land for us. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so that's, um, I think that's a really important role of yoga mm-hmm. teachers that are that you know do have a background in contemplative study mm-hmm. is um, how do we bring these teachings? Um, how do we respect the traditional basis for these teachings while making them relevant? Um, because what I find, as I'm, I'm sure you do too, is that the teachings of yoga are so relevant for our lives today. Like <laughs> yes. they, are, they are incredibly <laughs> relevant. Yes. Um, but I, I agree there's a lack of accessibility in yeah. some ways um, to, um, to really relatable ways to use the teachings of yoga. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think we need to, we need to improve that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's exciting to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and this leads me to which you mentioned your your beautiful book, which is um, such a beautiful book, and so excited for you. Can you tell us um, the journey with the book and what inspired you, and who, you know, how you see your book being of service to um, yogis out there? Sure, sure. Well, I think what we were just talking about is a perfect segue because mm. it really. Uh, it is written for um, continuing students of yoga and teachers who want to go deeper in their practice, who want to begin to integrate their understanding and use their yoga um, in their lives more and more. Um, and as we were talking, you know, there's there's a big need for that. And I think there's a hunger, right, for, you know, how, how to make these teachings our own. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, what, what I, after, you know, 20 years of teaching, 
what I really saw in the mainstream yoga world was a little bit of a kind of, um, you know, that studentship in yoga was becoming a lost art that, that the, you know, that the, 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 the business side of studios were creating and I was a studio owner, so I'm, you know, fully mm-hmm. part of this, but you know, we're, we were somehow create, we've somehow created a culture where yoga becomes more about something we consume like any other good or service and not, mm-hmm. not something that we become students of. And again, I think it's fine to, you know, simply be a client or a consumer rather than a student of yoga. It's just if we want to avail ourselves of the full benefit of what yoga has to offer us, I think um, if we don't know how to be students of the practice, we're missing a huge opportunity for for really being able to extract the richness of yoga. Mm. So I thought um, it would be really helpful to offer people um, what I've um you know, from my own experience and the experience of working with, um, the, you know, all the students I've worked with over the years and teachers, you know, what, what are the ways that asana becomes a transformative practice? What are the approaches to yoga that allow us to extract the richness of postural practice, right? Like how do we, how do we make asana into more of part of our path of personal growth? Maybe our spirituality, um, how, how do we use asana as a path of self-discovery, right? So that was really how it started. So I started looking back on like, what were the themes in asana practice that had been most important for me in this regard? Like what really made asana that for me path of personal growth. Um, and what I saw was that there were a few themes, there were a few approaches to practice that did that. And they, it, that kind of coalesced into what I call um, principles for enlightened practice, which are, I define principles for enlightened practices, strategies that infuse our yoga practice with spiritual insight. Mm. So what are the strategies, right? So one is becoming a student, you know, and another is embracing transformation, embracing this idea that yoga is a path of inner shift, um, et cetera. So that, that was the impetus for the book. And, um, it, I also really felt it was important that, um, a yoga book should be interactive and, and able to be practiced. So I created, um, all different workbook exercises, uh, sequences, um, for each of the principles, um, journaling exercises, um, guided meditation, breath work, et cetera, so that, um, we can be exploring these themes for practice in, on, in, through different practices in all these different ways. Hmm. Great. It's, it's, a, it's such a wonderful resource for um, both yogis and for yoga teachers, of course, you know. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. To be able to um, both inspire their own practice because, as we know, you know, you can't – it is not sustainable to be a yoga teacher if you're not connected to your own practice. That's something I see a lot when I work with teachers is that um, the love for practice goes um, because of the stresses of of teaching. Um, so we have to and, – and when we lose our love for yoga, um, yoga, you know, it quickly just becomes like another job. So we have to stay inspired and enthusiastic about our practice. Um so for teachers and for continuing students, again, to continue to kind of mine the depths of, mm. of what yoga has to offer as a, as a lifelong path of, of practice, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. 
And I know um, you've got a wonderful program that you have for people who are teachers and people perhaps new out of teacher training programs to, again, support them. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that and what are, the, what are the main things that teachers need support in? You mentioned a few just now, but maybe area, other areas where you feel um, that you, even as a beginning teacher, what you would have liked to have had to um, just make uh, make it an easier process to um, become, you know, really fully authentic teacher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I um, have seen a lot when I work with teachers is that we, the two, we, you finish your 200 hour training and then, you know, where do you go from there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you either, you either, your options are either to, you know, you're out on your own, you know, mm -hmm. you know, go, go get in front of the class mm -hmm. or, you know, enter or enter this next training. Mm -hmm. Right. So we mm -hmm. get, we get, um, an interesting situation where we have very, um, what I call the overtrained, underconfident teacher, meaning they have tons of hours of training, yeah. but no practical experience. So yeah. they're very insecure about getting up in front of the class because yeah. obviously we know that, you know, training and, and real life teaching are different. Mm. Um, so what I saw was there was a need for, um, new teachers to have a structure, mm. you know, in a 200 hour teacher training, you get so much great information, right? Yeah. You, it's just like it's download. Sometimes it's mm. like over a few weeks or a month, you know, that is a very concentrated time of input. Um, and then you need time to integrate that. You yeah. need time to assimilate that. You need, you need support for, yeah how you bring that into the real life teaching situation. You need a place to ask questions, right? Yeah. You need like, what works and, and you need community, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're not meant to be doing this all on our own, right? Mm -hmm. Like we need the support, you know, or we, we thrive, I think with the support of a community. Yeah. Um, so that was actually, I, I started teaching online in 2015 for that reason. Um, was just, I saw a bunch of, uh, a bunch of new teachers that I knew kind of just, struggling with, mm. you know, just having questions and needing support. Um, so I, I think that's a big need. And, um, and I think it's important actually to do that before getting more, more training, yes. right. That you take the time to really um, put into practice what you learn, learn what works for you, what doesn't ask your questions, et cetera, before, um, going for more certification. Mm. So I, I think that's, um, that, that's a place where, that's a place where I could have used support as a new teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of new teachers, um, can get stuck is that they don't have the support any longer of a community of, um, people right, right. to, to, um, to get that, uh, framework, right. To get that mm -hmm. support for integration. Often, um, as teachers, we ourselves are supporting a community, right? Yes. <laughs> we also need community and we may not have it where we live, right? We may yeah. not either. We might live rurally where there's just not a lot of other yoga teachers around, or we just might not feel that the studio down the road is the one that we feel comfortable with, that we resonate with. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I really created the online community, um, skillful yogi as kind of a home for, um, teachers and continuing students mm -hmm. to come. I almost think of it as like an online retreat site where people can come to re-inspire their practice. You know, there's weekly classes, but there's a lot more than that too. Mm -hmm. There's um, there's journaling, there's inquiry, there's, we have support, um, specifically for teachers, there's one-on-one -on -one guidance. So kind of building, um, a, a home, 
um, for for teachers and continuing students to find that support and inspiration to to continue to go deeper in their practice and their teaching. Hmm. Hmm. Wonderful. I mean, yeah. it's so interesting. Two two hundred hours. It's it sounds like well, it sounds like many many hours, but barely barely scratching the surface in a two hundred hour. You know, and especially yeah. if you have not had teaching experience before, because then there's everything else to um, deal with, too, of just presenting material is for one thing and being mm. um, and also looking at the different shapes of the bodies in the room and the different needs for each different person and then dealing with new people who show up. And there's there's so much. Um, it's it's uh, such a you know big task to take on to become a teacher. And, um, you know, everyone I know really struggles. So it's wonderful you have um, such a great program there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I think, you know, we all know as soon as you start in a teacher training, you have so much respect for your teachers. Right? <laughs> we don't realize <laughs> yeah. everything, you know, everything you yeah. said, everything that goes on. And, you know, I just, I just want to say, like, as I, I was saying, the, you know, kind of the, the overtrained, underconfident teacher. I mean, the, the other side of that is the undertrained, overly confident teacher, right? Yes. Where, where we do maybe a weekend training and we think we know it. Yeah. And, and I think that is um, just kind of tragic because it doesn't, again, allow for the sense of studentship and ongoing learning. Whereas you said that even a 200 hour, I always think it's such a great sign when people who finish their 200 hour feel like they're just starting out. <laughs> yes. You no, know, that's, it's like, yes, that's right. Isn't that amazing? This <laughs> yeah. is, is going to unfold for your whole lifetime, mm -hmm. your practice and your teaching. They're both amazing paths of, of growth, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that, that are going to keep evolving. So I absolutely think that is the right approach mm. um, yeah wonderful and uh, we'll definitely um, include your links um, in this thing but if you want to tell us the skillful yogi is or Barry Reisman is this how they find you yeah Barry Reisman.com and mm -hmm. evolving your yoga.com mm. and your your new book is called Evolving Your Yoga, Evolving 10 Principles your... for Enlightened Practice. Great. And when will it be available? It will be released at the end of February 2019. Ah, very exciting. That's... And there will also be an online um, component of the book where readers can go to download the sequences and the exercises. Um, so we'll be building um, an online community um, around the book as well. Beautiful. Wonderful. Well, it's been so lovely to talk with you today and really, really appreciate you taking the time and excited for all the projects you're doing, the new book, um, and um, just wonderful to be in conversation with you. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. Please leave us a review so that others can find us.